0: This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to PortlandDistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF for a 10% discount at PortlandDistro.com. Hello, my friends. The last few days have been filled with massive travel, epic hangouts, and incredible music. I was in Cologne, Germany, to attend the Unholy Passion Festival, which was an incredible experience. And also, got to spend some quality time with one of my best friends in the entire world, and that would be, of course, Mr. Ralph Schmidt. And uh, yeah, it was great. I hadn't seen Ralph since 2015. And even then, it wasn't even, like, the most ideal circumstance for hanging out. We talk about that in the, uh, the episode later on. Before we get into that, I want to shout out the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. That's HorrorWolf666, which comes at you on Monday, hosted by Brandon Legion. On Tuesday, Jackie Smith deploys into the necrosphere the premier extreme music podcast. Wednesday, is everything went black. Thursday, I return with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid for Necromaniacs for All Things Horror. And on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the evil Reverend Carl Hikara brings you Soul Knox. I'd like to thank everyone for the continued support on Patreon. It's meaningful. We have a lot of fun over there. Uh, the last few months have been a little slow just because schedules have been a little crazy. But I've been trying to bring you guys something new by way of bonus material every week. And uh, yeah, it's great. we got a nice group of guys and women. There's a few ladies who have uh, joined the Patreon. It's not just the all-male sausage fest that these things tend to be. we got a lot of cool stuff coming down the line with that. And if you want to get involved and help support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can join get access to the bonus material for five dollars a month, you get bonus material plus early access to the regular episodes. And if you want to sponsor the podcast, if you have a business, a band or any kind of project, for 20 dollars, you get a custom read, and you can join for one month, forever, <laughs> for eternity, or whatever you, you know, or whatever you choose.: All right. We're here in Cologne, Germany, uh, with Ralph, and uh, it's after an incredible weekend. And uh, Ralph and I are sitting here face to face. And the last time I saw you, face to face, had to be
1: twenty fifteen, right? That was if that's the year of the road burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, that was the last time. Yep. I think like we said goodbye after Fields of the Nephilim. Yeah. You were taking care of like getting your asses with like to the UK. Oh, that's right, man.
0: That was a nightmare world of trying of just poor logistics and like failed booking attempts and things like that that was a really
1: rough I, I forgot about that thanks yeah. for reminding me not not the best memory though yeah <laughs> <laughs> no oh by the way if you hear like sparkling noises it's because we're toasting with champagne while we're, <laughs> while <laughs> while we're co- cooking math. Uh, no it's like you know Germans love sparkling water so Mike is enjoying some of that no yeah that was um, that was the last time and uh, I remember that day I was looking forward because you put us on the guest list Danny and me and uh, then we literally, I, I first saw you when you guys went on stage to set up. We said a quick hello. Then uh, you started playing. After playing, we like talked for maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah. And then you were gone because there was press to do, and then you had to figure out like how to get to the UK. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then I saw you again when Fields of the Nephilim started. Yeah. so it really wasn't much of a of a visit you yeah. Know. it was um a very uh, stressful time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The time before that was Eper festival that was actually on that tour with the secret. Uh, you played like this Belgium festival and uh, it was that tour that you got shows canceled because of the Burzum shirt. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 And uh, because that was the time when Danny and I were already dating. And sure. we drove over to, to Eperfest and uh, I remember like we had some time there and sat uh, in the merch tent and hang out with Andrew. We grabbed some food. I remember that. That was the last proper time we actually interacted in that way. There wasn't much uh, much time, really. That was, that's no. the thing, man. It's like,
0: yeah, you know, in life, whenever I come over here, uh, this is the first time that I've ever been to Europe as a, uh, a tourist, yeah. you know, essentially. And all the other times with touring, it's like a rush to go from point A to point B and deal with stuff and, you know, put out fires. And, you know, you and I never really get a chance to sit down and hang out. Yeah. So uh, I remember you and I had a conversation after one of our podcast recordings and i was saying how in light of all the you know just turmoil that everyone's been through in the last couple of years that i haven't had one of those great days like yes. going to you know roadburn fest and hanging out with you yeah. um so we decided to plan this weekend where uh, i would come out here and hang out in cologne and we would spend quality time man, yeah. great time yeah and, uh, you know, check out Unholy Passion Festival, which was last night.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, it would be also my first time seeing Ulta perform live. Like I've only enjoyed the music, yeah. you know. So it was just an incredible night and you guys allowed me to share the stage with you to perform uh, Unholy Passion by Sam Hain. Hmm. And uh, you and I both got
1: these awesome buddy tattoos. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just a great weekend, man. Yeah. Glad glad you enjoyed it. I mean, that's what we talked about like that these moments are so rare. And also like the people that we trust and want to spend this time with is also rare. And uh there's only like an ocean between us. So, um I mean the last time I flew to the States, that was kind of like the time when you were just like moving and breaking things off and Yeah, were,
0: like, I wasn't even living in New York at the time. Yeah, so, right. I, yeah, so
1: yeah. So we didn't get a chance to hang out. Yeah, and also like that one, like that was in a year I mean that was twenty nineteen. No, 2018, actually. That was the year we were speaking about the other day, like the year, like one one of the worst years of my life. And I had the glorious idea, like amidst all the stress and turmoil in my life, why not spend like a week in New York on the couch of some of like friends of mine. So it was so incredibly stressful. I had no time to kick back. And like I came back and was even more (laughs) devastated than before. I mean, it was cool, like because I got to have a chance to hang out with Mike Rapash. Yeah and with Mike, uh, Mike of, of Yellow Eyes. And uh, I went with Yellow Eyes to to festival, and, and that was all good, but it was stressful. But now, like the weekend that we right now had, it's like actually like the stuff that we would actually do if we would live in the same city or yeah. remotely close. Like hang out, watch something, talk, grab food, <laughs> Get tattoos. Get tattoos. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> know. Yeah. No, man, it's, it's, it's so cool, like, when you said, like, yeah, you're thinking about doing this, I'm like, oh, that would be, that would be rad, and, I mean, we're like, a lot of times, like, oh, we make these amazing plans, and then it falls through, because there's so much going on, and then it's like, no, dude, I booked, I booked tickets, I'm going to be there, and that was the moment where I was like, okay, for Unholy Passion, Ultra, because it's our own, own festival, that we, like, created. Well, well, let's,
0: I, one of the things I want to talk about is okay. just the whole history of like yeah. the festival and like you know how many years you've been doing it and what yeah. what motivated you to start the festival okay um,
1: so with Ulfa we um, we kind of like came out of nowhere here in Cologne because uh I mean like people knew like my band planks and and Chris was in the band gold dust and we all had like bands that people knew but all these bands were located somewhere else but event like we ended up all living here and that's like kind of the history of like how Ulta started because Jens and I wanted to start a band and then, then Goldust broke up. And the missing piece was Manu because like we needed a drummer to pull something like this off and then Manu moved here to Cologne as well. And he's always like he had a, um, the story we tell. He had like a band before I had an apartment. So like <laughs> so we started that band and like it, it, it the demos like we did recorded like two rehearsal space demos and people were going nuts for that and all of a sudden we're like okay um we want to play a show and then it's uh so what do we do and from the get-go, Ultha was not a band that like tried to be in that like metal metal world because the like, Cologne has a black metal scene, like a small one and there are like regional bands, but they're all like this one sounds like mayhem, the next one sounds like druid or like they try to and right. and that's not like the way we are and um, so we we were like okay, what to do and then we were like I had contact with the band Sun Worship and Unruh, they were, like, they were like in the scene before us, also coming from the leftist background, but not being like a political left-wing black metal band or something, but like good bands with good people. We became friends and we ended up doing the first show together. Like the first Ulta show was here in Cologne with Sun Worship and Unruh, and this became like this lifelong bond between the three bands. And um, so we played the first show here, and then eventually we released our first record and we like set up a small... because i said like i want to have a festival and we had like a bunch of friends of ours come to play It was four bands and it was like in an autonomous center that didn't have a name so the first installment of unholy passion wasn't called that then we released uh two years later we released converging Sins, and by that time we were like a band that was like fairly well known and i was like You know what, like I like the approach of having like an evening where we play to our hometown crowd, invite people that we love to join us and and have like smaller bands that maybe not a lot of people know, like be like presented to a lot of people that come out for us, because by that time we could sell out like a 200 capacity room like and that was the sort of like vibe and i was like no like now i want to have i want the thing to have a name and by that time i was like blasting samane on on heavy rotation the whole time and i always loved this this unholy passion—it's just like such a catchy name, and I mean, even though like that song is about fucking, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like like okay, so no, like a PC—it's not a PC song, but it's like this this thing like. I have like a sort of unholy passion for the music that I play, you know, like it's not normal. It's like something I have to do and I know you're the same way and you also have this passion for Sam Hain. Good now. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Learned something. Nailed it. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so Yeah, then that, that baby had a name, and like, then ever since then, it was Unholy Passions, so or it must have been 2016 or 17. Yeah, so like, we sold out like this autonomous center with like 300 people, and then Hoffi of Underdog Records in Cologne, like the record store that we all go to, and he's also like from the hardcore punk scene from way back when. Um, He approached us as like, yo. So like, I like your band, and I see what this band can pull off. Like, how would you think to make Unholy Passion like an annual thing, and we move it to Gabority Nine? And I was. I was speechless because the Boy Nine is like the only mid-range venue we have here. We have like really small ones, like small clubs, like 100 capacity something, uh, like these illegal things. And then we've got the big halls like for 2000 plus. the Boy Nine has a capacity of like 500 people max. And uh, we're like, okay, if you think that works, let's try it. So we booked the first one there. So it was the third installment of our festival, but the second by the name of Unholy Passion. And by that time, we had established contact to Aspen and the Witch, which is like a big band. And usually, they sold, they will sell out Good Boy and Nine by themselves. But they committed to say, like, no, we'll be part of the festival. They got the guarantee they always get. But our like our approach was, we will establish a festival that's like maximum 20 euros. So it's five euro per band. Everybody can come. it's a fair price. And like we as a band mostly don't take any money from that. For us, the primary, primary thing is to like get the other bands their money and even like a bit more and establish like younger bands and maybe have a cool band from our surrounding. And uh, people love it. And so now it became this annual family gathering on the first Saturday in December. It's like a cool thing to end the year in a way. Because they also, my favorite band, New Mortal Army, they always have, um, they always play Cologne two weeks before Christmas as like their annual Christmas show. And it wasn't like, not even like I tried to imitate them, but it was just like the thing, I love it because everybody, you go there, you, you know the people you will see. And every year New Mortal Army in Cologne plays a special set with stuff they did do on the other nights oh, wow okay because i've seen you Alarm <clears throat> five times this year and I pl- we've played with them but i know like they already posted this year it will be t- two nights so it's friday and saturday they will play 65 songs in two nights and they always like get out the old like old jewels that you ask for play new stuff and that's of kind of like the approach that we did so every unholy passion has uh a special idea, and this year it was uh, playing the whole record like for the first time because we released this record in April and people loved it. But like, there were two songs we have never played before, so we did that. And then when you committed to like, I'll be here, I was like, okay, guys, I have an idea, I want to pull something off. So, there's this name, Unholy Passion, the festivals named that our segment here on the podcast on on everything with blacks called Unholy Passion and I DJ under the moniker Unholy Passion so why not finally like just cover this song and what better way to have like one of my best friends in the world sing it with us and for all of us in Ulta it was a big pleasure a huge honor you saw the story that Chris posted and like we all like always love tombs and so for us it was like a fantastic way to cap off this great night
0: Dude it was it was so much fun and uh you know I, I was uh, I wanted to do a good job like because I knew that you know you guys had a lot of intention with your music and um, I wanted to make sure that I was on point so I got to say Sam Hain's music is deceptively complicated yeah <laughs> you know what I mean it's um I don't know it's weird it's it's you listen to Sam Hain and it's very simple but there's there's a strange way that they approach the music especially with the with the vocals like glenn his like approach during that band was like he just kind of freestyles like over the entire thing it's like they come in in weird spots like his phrasing and all stuff is like wild there's like one part you play like one and a half times and then it's like you know what i mean it's weird right so it was like kind of difficult in a way and um I had to kind of manipulate my, the vocals, like mm-hmm. they're not exactly the, the way yeah. that Samhain
1: did it, but I kind of did it my own way, really. Yeah, and, and we didn't play it like Sam Hain Yeah, plays. yeah, yeah. That's the idea. Like we, I mean, we we did like a bunch of covers in our time. So we covered Bathory and Mighty Sphincter, Fields of the Nephilim, and to us, it's I, I think. Like, some people do cover versions by playing the song one to one. And, like, if you're like Tom Petty and you cover Neil Young or something, it's cool because then it's you, you know? But, like, to me, it's not a challenge. Like, okay, like, with the rhythm and, like, the thing that you, it would be a challenge to play it exactly the way. Oh, yeah. But to me, Sam Hain has, like, I I try to, like, rewrite that song in the way that uh, Sam Hain feels to me. Because Sam Hain to me is the darkest of all danzig bands. And it is heavy and dark. But like if I if I would say like how does it react in, in me? Like what's the feeling when I listen to Sam Hain? It's more in the realm of like Ghost Walking of Mighty Sphincter. that sure. we did. So it's way more gloomy, way more doomy. And I'm like, let's let's do like a doom version of that. And so we actually played it in E sharp. And it's just like it's the same. We just like adjusted some parts to go down because we're like tuned to drop C, uh, drop SIS. And we manipulated the structure too. So yeah. it's slower. So it has more and more power, and then when we started playing, and then Chris like starts with the din-in, din-in, with the bass. I'm like, ah, this is almost too happy. But then when the guitars come in, it instantly got heavy, and like Andy's keyboards and the synths is just like, okay, this is the way I wanted to sound. And I knew that you could match it with the vocals. And dude, I think like especially yesterday, we like we listened to the recording of the video earlier. You delivered, man.
0: Oh, thank you, thank. Yeah. You. I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad because it was like you know. Very Important to me that I do a good job, and um, we should release that man. It'd be so much fun to have like a split or something like that. Yes. that covers, you know? yeah. I think dudes. people would be into it, you know. Yeah. But you know was really funny? It's like as much as you and I love Sam Hain, um, some people don't even know who the fuck they are, right? Yeah. Isn't that weird?
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, like, the weirdest thing about yesterday night was like first. There was, you know, I always try to establish like a narrative. Like I'm, I'm too much of a wrestling fan, so like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh yes, yeah. you cannot escape me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh
1: yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flex my muscles on stage. Um, no, it's like I always tend to because like this band is my baby, my brainchild, and uh, and the festival was also my idea, so I always push this band so hard, and. To me, it's a personal thing. That's why I told the story yesterday about, like, it's a family thing, you know, like the Sheer Terror reference. Um, I um, I just I just like to, like, say something before. I, I don't want to be like, oh, look, like, I'm the guy from Ulfa I will talk now and you will listen. But the emotional connection this band has with its audience is, like, what makes this band so special to me and to people. And uh, that's why I said something beforehand. And I saw, like, when I was, um, I was standing, like, at the merch with Danny, and there was this pile of people just walking through buying merch, and there was one guy who wore a Samhain shirt. So, I like, saw so him like, and usually, like, if you go to a metal person, and you say, like, dude, you have, like, this sick shirt, and he's, like, oh, yeah, thanks, dude. Like, you appreciate it. And, like, the mutual respect for being, right, like, exactly. yeah, good taste. Yeah. And that guy had, like, the only one that had a Sam Hain shirt, where I felt, like, he must know the song, so maybe he chose the shirt because it goes to Only Passion Fest and yeah. he's also an OFA fan. So, like, I thought, like, oh, this dude will appreciate it. <laughs> so, like, he walked past me and, like, he looked at me and I pointed in a shirt like, dude, that's the best shirt. He said nothing. He didn't even nod. He just walked on. Like, it's like, what the fuck? It's like, okay. Did, did he not Did he not speak German or something? Like? I don't know, man, but it was so weird. It's like, okay, well, your luck, well. And then, like, um... Then I said something about like why why this festival is so special and why it's so special to me that you're here. Um, because I wanted to establish the timeline that once we played the whole record, there will be I I just teased there will be two more songs after we're done with the whole record. And I said, like, yeah, like this today, like so many people came out and dude, like we had people from Turkey, Portugal, Belgium, Sweden, Norway. Um from America, the United States, to the United States, <laughs> like, like People, people come from all over the globe, like to, to like join this little festival we established. So I want like I established the narrative, like yeah, one of my best friends in the world, Mike Hill, is here tonight, and people like already like oh cool like tombs and they get respect because I knew once we're done, I will say something else so to get you on stage. And then it's like, okay, I just told the story, like, okay, so this show, like, this festival is called Unholy Passion, I have the DJ moniker Unholy Passion, we do that podcast, so what better way than to cover Unholy Passion by a band, Sam Hain, and that's like, usually like the rest of you, wait for the pop, <laughs> yeah. and there were like, 10 people, it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny too. I'm like, oh, okay. So you all know Danzig, right? <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, okay, uh, Danzig, it was like, I was like posh saying like, yeah, Sam Hain is Danzig's best band. But like some people in the audience knew it, and they were like, fuck yes. Especially like our friend Black Metal Endurance Punk, shout out to that guy, because he filmed the whole thing, and uh, we will post it online soon. Um, so yeah, I got you on stage and then we started playing and even though like a lot of people didn't know the song i think they were all into it especially i think when we did like the dun, 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 dun. i feel for you yeah. where chris and i joined in on the choir dude and people were moshing to it i was like okay it's yeah. success that was good yeah i like the narrative man like i already
0: had my like uh you know you can't escape me <laughs> you think little man yeah, i was gonna break a chair over your head you know and, like do the whole thing yeah. i had like my mask ready and all that yeah you mean your manga head or your yeah, top pro head pro wrestler style and i, mean, I would have been the heel you yeah
1: know? <laughs> the, the pro-american heel
0: yeah usa
1: <laughs> yeah man it was uh, such a cool i mean was dude like i was already blown out tired before the whole like before we went on stage because it was such a long day and the last weeks have been a grind. But then the adrenaline kicked in when we played and like in the in the in the fourth song, like after the instrumental, like we start that song. We've never played it before and has this like intense like heavy sludge part. where I have to do like really gruff deep vocals. And I'm just like lifting the guitar like I always do. And then my secure lock breaks. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah like, so I had to tape it up. Yeah, it's like, and then my guitar was like in my hand, so I like had to catch it with my with my pinky and keep it up while I played and sang. And people in the first, the good thing is we play in this fog and the red light, so yeah. a lot of people didn't Very see obscure. it. Well, yeah. like the first row, there I had like big eyes, like what the fuck is happening? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, not now. But uh, yeah, so aside from that little mistake I think we played really well and people were really into it and yeah I mean the response was awesome and yeah you being a part of that was special I think uh, I was like lurking side stage when that
0: happened because I saw you like yeah. do, do your thing there yeah which is uh, that's a funny thing too because like Uh, about halfway during the set I I had to to pee I had to use the bathroom and I'm like man should I just hold it you know because I knew where we were at from band practice on on Friday I knew the set I was like fuck man I can't I gotta gotta be comfortable when I'm up there so I slipped out I went to the backstage building I like did Mm -hmm. what I gotta do and I'm like how the fuck do I get up to the front of the stage (laughs) and I just like Brooklyn style like push my way all the way to the front and I went into that little side alley and I was you know side stage safe you know preparing
1: do my vocal warm up and all that kind of stuff yeah. while you guys were playing <laughs> yeah I was because I saw you like when we began I saw you on the left side of stage like okay like he's into it and then all of a sudden like oh he's gone it's like oh so maybe we're boring I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but then I turned around and I saw you like lurking uh, yeah. like uh, behind the curtain and I was like oh okay so he's here already yeah oh. No, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun man. and, and um, you
0: know like I, I once again like I'd only heard the record, yeah. you know and uh, but to see it live was like a very cathartic experience. Like you know, you listen to it, you enjoy the music, but seeing it in a setting in a venue yeah. with the stage prep production and, and just the, the, the energy was like the full experience of the band. You know, and it's like and I just I felt really honored to be able to be part of that whole thing. And, you know, and I'm one of the only people in the States probably
1: to have seen you guys play. I think so. I mean, like, Whoa, Yellow Eyes, yeah, Vonum, some those so guys. these guys, because yeah. they were on tour with us. But in that setting, like, none of our American friends have ever played on Holy Passion, because, like, no tour, like, mostly no tours happen, like, at least for the band and the size that we know. Because, like, mostly, like, with Vanum or Yellow Eyes or Woe, it's, like, based around the time that we can actually tour. And that's only, like, the times that I have holidays from school, which is Easter, summer, or fall. Right. But in December, it's mostly... possible because we were talking to Photocrime about this, we were talking about doing with tombs, like a little tour but in that time frame, because it would be so perfect to be on a tour and have it end at Unholy Passion Fest in Cologne, yeah But it's like this only that way. But now I mean we saw, like I saw it like with your the flight itinerary when you send it over, it's like it's actually kind of affordable right now. So and there's money like we can make with the festival. Um so we can actually like think about having one of our American friends bands, for example, Tombs, like come out and play that festival. Because I mean, you toured Europe and you played shows, and you know, like, it's so so. Like, I mean, you get food, you get sleeping yeah. places, but some shows are just like, I mean, the German shows, are, like, people are enthusiastic or they will criticize you heavily for what you do in a very kind, kind voice, <laughs> but very direct. Um, but yeah, Unholy Passion is something special because the audience that comes, like, they're. They get the mindset and like when you said like the, the emotional catharsis of that band. I mean I always mention this, like, like people got our like lyrics tattooed and people fly out to like see this and like when I look into the audience, it's not a lot of head banging. It's like more people like with closed eyes, like in, in engulfed in the fog and just like in trance. And that's what I always wanted for Ulfa. Like I wanted to be like I always say it's like it's it's Sisters of Mercy songs written by a guy who writes film music and it's it's produced in a black metal way, so it's melodic it has like this this grandiose thing that film music has to me, but it has like the power of like neurosis in a black metal band that's yeah. a kind of that's kind of like what I want yeah. and that's what people what, what gets people because like a lot of the thin black metal you know the straight thin thin sound you're like a it's aggressive and it's impressive but the way we do it i think it's like it's more engulfing you know you're like and i mean the name ultha comes from a lovecraft story and that's when people ask are you a lovecraftian black metal band i'm like no we're not because like it's not about that but it's like when i like i chose the name ultha because i love lovecraft and it has this overarching gloom and there's a, like this red line going through his stories with all the sidebars, you know, like yeah, the references different to. Different mythos. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and has mm-hmm. like when you read a story like Dagon or, uh, or the uh, Inch of or Innsmouth or, uh, okay. I don't know, like the Cthulhu mythos and the Mountains of Man especially, they, there's this feeling of dread and but you want it, like you're soaked in into the story and it's long and you're part of that and it's kind of like what i see when an ultra show happens there's not a lot of people that say like oh I checked out two songs and I left most either you're in it or you're out yeah and it's a whole experience and that's why it's cool that you guys play the entire album It's an entirety
0: you know what i mean because it's like one piece of music yeah. and you know i've always had the impression that um the music did have a very film score vibe to it. So when I listened to the record, Yeah, it's like the whole thing has to kind of be enjoyed similar to a Neurosis album too yes you you listen to like Through Silver and Blood you listen to the entire thing and it makes makes one statement to you yeah
1: and that's why also we have like there's no talking in between songs and we always have samples going and that's the cool thing about having Andy in the band he's not only like giving the band so much with his like electronics and all the stuff that he plays the great melodies but he has like he created some samples like we like did it together some he did alone. like this samples for in between the songs, so there's no, you know, like, I remember seeing Neurosis on the tour here with Storm of Light and Taint, and that was the last tour they did in Europe where they just still had projections. You know yeah and they went away and, from that. Yeah. yeah, and then they had um, they also had samples and interludes. So like they started playing and you were like sucked in and even in the breaks, there's something that like occupies your mind and you're staying focused. And I saw other bands trying to be like you know like that wave of bands that try to sound like neurosis or Isis. And like they played a song and it's like eight or nine minutes long and it's powerful and it's good. And then all of a sudden it's like it's done. And then you're like ew, ew. someone's tuning a guitar in the yeah. audience you're like <laughs> people talks like oh yeah so i need to get another beer and so it's like i don't want i want people to be in it like i want to be sucked into a movie so that's like so you're saying that it's like then we're doing it right because that's exactly what we want to do yeah totally the, the bill last night was also pretty awesome
0: like i you know i'd heard once again Unruh is a band that I know their recordings, yeah. but having seen them live was like a, another completely different experience. And I, you know, now I mean, I have vinyl now, mm. and uh, yeah, I'd only heard what they had online at this point. And um, yeah, you know, the other bands too, uh, you know, Lothar yeah. from uh, Austria, Vienna, yeah. Vienna, yeah, yeah. and uh, and Death Somnia were, were both excellent, you know, yeah. and, and particularly Lothar kind of blew me away yeah. because. Uh, they had the Van Halen cover, which is like, they're they're playing this like sullen, very sad, heavy music. And then at some point they started a song and it's like, this sounds so familiar, like this this riff, but it's like slow. And when they started doing the arpeggio part, I was like, wait, this is like a cover. And then the lyrics came in and they started, I'm like, this is a cover, like a, a, a melodic, sad, slow, heavy version of Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen. And I thought that was so brilliant, man. Yeah. but they made it their own song, though, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah they have, like, um, I mean, so far, they only have, like, I think they did two tapes, and, uh, like, they have one 12-inch with only two songs, but, like, all the stuff is, like, really fairly old. They uh, just recorded a new record. But they have like a lot of stuff on their Bandcamp, which they just recorded and released. And it's also the cool thing is they they also put everything on Spotify. So at some point, I like I follow them like on Spotify. Like oh, there's like oh a new Lothar thing, and it just saw like ain't talking about love. And I'm like okay, cool. Like didn't click with me. And then I, I listen to it as like. Dum, 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 dum. It's like mm, Cool, gloomy And that's exactly like The way they sound and Then the melody comes in and I'm like Wait That's not I, I know this and I was like, I am talking about love. And it's like, fuck, dude, like it's a Van Halen cover. Yeah, totally. Because they did like an Elliott Smith cover before. And I can see like a band that is like into this kind of realm that they make music to be into Elliott Smith. I mean, it's I'm depressing. Into, yeah, they went to Elliott Smith too. And they, they covered Needle in the Hay and they did a great job with that too. But to take something that's completely out of like out of the things that people would expect of you that's what I love and that's what like it made me like them even more Yeah, you know? yeah that song is
0: not something that jumps out to me as being uh, you know particularly uh, you know somber that song yeah, you know? yeah. yeah it's like a you know like I'm kind of a scumbag and this is my my life you yeah. know but uh, yeah but don't don't let that one aspect of the band sell you on them their music is like very powerful hmm. you know and it's like to to Draw comparisons to other types of bands, I would say, like Evoking, maybe.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but with different types of vocals, maybe. You know, like something in that realm, or like Paradise Lost. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of typo negative. Yeah. You know, just so people have a context to what they sound like. And it's... You know, definitely check them out. They have a new album coming out on uh, Vendetta. So, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I broke that deal. Because, like... Uh, it's like, this again, the story that... um When we uh, when we released the Belong EP, which was like my way of saying like the Inextricable Wandering is a record I'm not particularly fond of for not for the lack of talent or the way it sounds. It's just like it's like an emotional thing. Like I can't listen to that record because it was such a devastating phase of my life. And then we like we recorded the Belong EP, and that like people loved that, and we went on tour to do like that EP. And uh, so we were at the stage where we could say like we tour alone. We don't need to be like in support of someone or like we don't need to take someone along. But people just book us and then they book regional bands before us. And we played in Linz in Austria. And it just said like, yeah, Lothar is playing like never heard of them. Like they're from Vienna, like checked out some pictures like, okay, they're like pretty fairly young. and it's like, ah, oh, we'll see. But I didn't have, I remember that I didn't have like a lot of time beforehand to like listen to the bands. We arrived there. Um, we set up our back line, and usually, like, in Europe, you share back lines. Right. Because, like, the touring band has the cabinets and the basic drum set, and you, as a, like, support band, you bring the heads and the cymbals and the kick pedal and shit, because we don't have pickups here or, like, SUVs or, like, proper vans. We just, like, draw off shitty, like, little cars like the one you saw, which is that like, tiny little toy that I yeah. was driving around on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they came and they were like, Oh, cool, yeah, thanks for having us play with you. And uh, so uh, we I have this head and it has like eight ohms. kind of use the cabinet? And you see, like, you can like a first step when you meet like new bands, you look first of all, you like you see these bands and you see, like, okay, they they seem like cool, cool people. And they didn't look like, like, Oh, look, we're all black metal, they could they look like. Young, young people. Not yet. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're in their thirties as well. Right? I'm <laughs> yes. just like fucking. Old. You, you and I are fucking old men, so yeah. yeah. Um, so they looked like people that I would like to hang out with, and uh, we had good talks already before the show when we said hi, and then they set up the gear. And you saw, like, they they don't fuck around. So, like, they knew, like, okay, I need to adjust my cabinet on a stack so it's higher. And they had, like, quality equipment. And you're like, oh, okay. They had, like, tons of pedals. And then they told the light guy, like, we only want this light and we want fog. So they had, like, a vision of, like, how the band is supposed to look like. And that's exactly the thing that we with Ulta always had and which so many bands were impressed by, which is such an easy concept. Because like like we didn't want like someone to like hurl around with like lights and strobe and shit like some bands it works for us it's dumb so we always have the red light and the fog or, like slow movement because we want to create this atmosphere like and they had like kind of the same approach and I remember like when they started playing I went behind the merch table I'm like oh yeah I'm tired well we'll see. And I think it wasn't even the first half of the first song, I'm like, okay, this is the best thing ever. Like, I love these guys. And they have, like, there's one band in Germany called Deutsch, which is like Dagger. In, in, in and I sent you the demos. Remember? Yeah. They have, like, this, they have, like, the thing that Urfaust de- does without being black metal. So it's, like, just... <laughs> This repetitive, like slow drumming, guitars that are strumming in the same way, with a lot of reverb on them, and have like a singer that can actually sing. It's not not screamed or anything. It's really melancholic, really bleak music, and this already clicks with me. So yeah, like we all stood there in awe, we're like, Jesus, they're a good band. And we've been in touch ever since. They were like super stoked that we were into them and we kept in contact. I contacted like the main dudes in that band and uh, yeah, and then they, at some point it looked like they were breaking up. and But I'm like, dude, like, we want you to play Unholy Passion Fest. And they're like, really? It's like, yeah, And so they're like, yeah, okay, we'll make it happen. And then, I mean, I think I asked them, it's like almost a year ago that we started like planning them being here. And in the meantime, they are like, oh yeah, we have a new record and uh, we don't know what to do with it. And yeah, it's like, I can't ask around. So I had like another label and they said they want to commit, but then they had the label backed out because of financial issues. <laughs> And Stefan of Vendetta Records, he's like, oh, I only listen to black metal now. <laughs> it's like, and, and he's like, I, I sent him that he's like, oh, it's too experimental for me. It's like, that band is a lot, but it's not experimental. It's like pretty straightforward. Pretty,
0: it is pretty, pretty. It's definitely not experimental. Yeah. You know?
1: And he's like, but it's not not the cup of tea. Like, he's all like hard on Danish black metal at the moment. Um, so he, uh, he was skeptical with the old stuff. But I said, they said, like, yeah, the new stuff that we'll do, like, we'll incorporate blast beat. We'll, like, have the old sound, but, like, also faster songs, a bit more metal. It's I was like, send me the demos. And I'll give it to Stefan. And they send me the demos. And it has this weird, that Boons Ender uh, kind of, like, oddity black metal effect. Yeah. Because the singer, he can pull up shrieks, but he can sing really well. And they've got songs that are almost catchy, poppy. Then it's like odd timings and blast beads I'm like wow and then I sent it to Stefan and it took him like a day to like yeah, I want to be in touch with them cool. I want to have them and now they will be on the same label as us and we already have plans because we'll go on tour in April and they will join us for a few few shows with them we will play in Vienna with them in their hometown <clears throat> they will play in Berlin with us so yeah it's a band that we like now growing friends with and it's so cool Like they, they, they were crazy because they took a night train from Friday, they started on Friday at, at 9 p.m., drove through the night and arrived in Cologne at 7 in the morning. Wow. So they hung out the whole day. And like today, they are, um, they. I think, I don't know what time it is now, but like they leave at 10 tonight and arrive at 9 a.m. tomorrow in Vienna. Wow. So that's that's a commitment. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, they were great, man. And, and like, I look forward to, you know, getting
0: their new album, actually. Yes had a great talk with, uh, with Tim the, yeah. the dude in the band Excellent no no guy. Tim Tim is from one room oh I'm sorry not Tim yeah. I think it's Michael that's a... yeah, I mean I, yeah. I, I should that's a real faux uh, <laughs> pas to remember that got the uh, guy's
1: Tim, name Tim is the weightlifter yeah in... the weightlifter <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's Misha yeah that's, yeah that's the main dude yeah yeah. he was referencing seeing tunes right that had like an impact on him yeah we can, we can we can gloss over that I don't wanna that's I feel yeah. uh, self-conscious
0: talking about that actually yeah but, uh, but yeah, he was, aside from all that, yeah. you know, he um, was a really cool guy, very thoughtful yeah. in his approach to music, so I appreciated that. Yeah. And uh, the other, I mean, Unruh was like your brother band, yeah. you know, and those guys are, are great. And uh, like I said, having seen them for the first
1: time yeah. really impacted me. And uh, Dead Somnia, like how'd you find out about them? Um, Death Sonier is a project by two guys from the UK, and uh, they started doing like this. I mean, they reference they they reference themselves to like industrial post punk in a way. I don't hear a lot of industrial in it. It is just I mean, it has a drum computer. It has two guitars which are fairly clean with like a lot of reverb on them and just a bit of crunch. Um, but to me, it sounds like very nineties. You know like, that, yeah. like kind of the bands that listen to like when, when Nine Inch Nails came out and got bigger and maybe like bands like Filter or even like when ministry like were a big band and some something like Scarecrow of Ministry, you know, like the repetitive element. But I mean some there was a band called Vast V A S T but always like V full stop A full stop it's like visual audio sensor sensor theater or something. Oh, okay. They were a UK one man band and they had a they had a hit back then called uh, pretty when you cry. And had like a disturbing video and um, that has kind of like that 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 vibe. It's like almost poppy very 90s-sounding, with a good vocalist, and they they wrote these songs, and uh, Kadri, they have a singer now, and she's from Estonia. And she told me the story yesterday that a good friend of hers um, was in contact with one of the guys that wrote the music, and they were looking for someone to just sing on the song for the project they started. And then they, there became a friendship, and uh, they... Um, grew into a full band and i mean now they have to when they play like two guys flying from the uk the girl flies in from estonia but i mean they have a drum computer a few pedals and two guitars so it's actually doable and um, when they came out Ropes of night just started and Richard in that band plays in a post-rock band called Telepathy and they're, like, they did a release on Golden Antenna Records, okay. they also released Robes of Night. <clears throat> and Ropes of Night, uh, uh, Golden Antenna is uh, based around Braunschweig and in Braunschweig there's the venue The Nexus that Planks has always played Hellstrom has played and also Author has played and Niels the main guy that like does shows there he approached me and said like so there's this new band from the guy from Telepathy and I think it's a good match to Ropes of Night I would like to because I'm a fan of Author and I love Ropes of Night I would like to book your new band and I would book his new band that's like well, how we established contact and then like Bruno and I were like in contact and we're like oh I love Robes of Night oh yeah I love Deathsomnia there were ideas yeah and then we had a show booked for Robes of Night and Deathsomnia which was blown away by a storm because there was a huge storm front and um, a lot of like a lot of people were afraid, and we decided not to like drive out to that show, which was super painful. Um, but then I said, "Like, oh, I feel sorry. We can't make it and can't play. But um, how about this? We always we have a festival and in Cologne, and it's in December. And uh, then I explained to them that I always want to have not only metal bands because." I yeah. think yeah. The most boring aspect of playing in a metal band is playing metal festivals, which is only metal bands that all kind of sound the same. Because the for like the later it gets, the less impactful the bands will be. And I always want to have like an odd oddball band, Aspen and The Witch. We had we had Gold, the band from the Netherlands. Now Death Somnia because of. Bring some fresh air into the thing, but it's a band that is gloomy enough and in its emo, and, and, and emotional approach heavy enough to match the other bands. And that's why I thought it was a, like a pretty well placed thing between Unruh and us to have them play. Yeah, that that's that's
0: one of the things I really appreciated about that because like it would just be like nonstop blast beats for like you know the whole night, and it was definitely like a like an interesting interlude, you know, yeah. and it. It made things uh, very, very diverse. Yeah. You know, that's a cool approach. Yeah. Yeah, as I said earlier, um, one of the coolest things about this whole week and was, uh, being able to spend time in the city. You know, because I've been to Cologne a few times, but uh, never had any time to explore the city. Usually, just go to the venue, have some coffee, walk around for a minute, play the show, and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, this time around, I got to the chance to um, really get the uh full experience of cologne and it's a you know it's a beautiful city and i really you know enjoy it here and um yeah we saw the a
1: cemetery yes yeah couldn't make it to the big church to the dome but uh at least the milan cemetery which was like on your first day when you arrived got your got your coffee to get your uh gears grinding again after uh Oh, went eight hours of flight? Is it eight hours? No, it was, the, the overall trip was, like, probably about 10 hours or yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, I always, like, shut when I'm in this, and I appreciate, like, fresh air once I leave a plane. So I was like, okay, if I take him home to my place now, which sounds remotely sexual... <laughs> <laughs> Uh No, like, if I take him here now and, like, we'll sit on the couch and talk, you, like, you will just fall asleep. So, like, the weather is still cool. I mean, cool in literal sense. It's, like, it's gotten colder here, but it's, like, still nice. Kind of more like a fall atmosphere than a winter. And I'm like, yeah, let's, like, I wanted to take you to that cemetery anyhow. So let's just go there because I know you will... You will appreciate like the the craftsmanship and the old graves, and yeah, I just love that place.
0: Well, one of the
1: things that's really impressive is that you know it's
0: old, but different than what most people in the United States think of as old, like a couple hundred years. Yeah, like there are some ancient things yeah. in um, a Malatian cemetery, which uh, you know you just get to pull in the different vibes of you know, Christianity with, like, older sort of references to, like, you know, Latin writing and all this other stuff that's, you know, different symbols. And yeah. I was just like, tripping out on the whole thing. And, and anyone who um, follows me and Ralph on Instagram, you know, we kind of documented our, our uh, time there. You oh. know, it was really cool.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, if you just Google Melaten Friedhof or Melaten Cemetery, you will see some great pictures. The the Grim Reaper is pretty pretty popular. I mean, when when have you been to a cemetery where you saw like a statue of death? It's like it's it's kind of like. I mean, I want to be like in Scotland at the Necropolis. That's like the place I want to go some someday. but I mean, Milan Friedhof is like kind of the size of a small city. So we walked around for like two two and a half hours, and we maybe saw half of the cemetery, and <coughs> excuse me, salud. So, Um, there, uh, there, there have been like these old graves that have been like torn down by nature. There's like a statue of Jesus with a split head and the ferns coming out of it. There's just so much to see. And I mean, we, um, also actually took like band pictures on there. There's a war memorial. So like a gigantic stone cross with a lot of like these smaller crosses in front of it. And, um, yeah, we did our like our Death in June reference photo yeah, there. Yep, yeah. Yep. Um yeah, it's great. But now um when we're talking about this, I just wanna Okay, I'll lead in and you finish the sentence, okay? <laughs> I hate when you do this, man, because I always fuck it up. No, no, like this will <laughs> this will this will work. So I said to Mike, okay, there's a grave I'm looking for and I wanna see like a gravestone that I want to show him. <laughs> So I said like oh, I know where it is. Like we we walked around and I kind of like teased the story already that I said there was a, a Cologne regional comedian and uh I I wanted to I wanted Mike to see this because I mean everything on that cemetery is like fucking gothic gothic par uh, par excellence. And um so when i was there the first time and i walked around i was like ah oh, jesus like okay this is like there's so many cool ass graves and statuettes and all this gloomy stuff and then i was like "Oh wait a second this is a this is a weird grave that we're looking at but um yeah like let's let's see let's see what that is and uh <laughs> Yeah, so we were like approaching it. and, like, I, I didn't say anything. I just like, go to that tombstone and, and tell me what you think. What did it say, Mike?
0: Family king size dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like amidst all this, like very serious, you know, very, very intense imagery. And uh, that's what's on the guy's grave. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: King Size Dick. That was the nickname of the dude, man. There everyone even took a picture of, of him like there's a statue of him. So yeah, like uh Mr. King Size Dick. I was like the first time I'm like, "Really?" And you know what? It's kind of a reference to the way we approach like we like our our humor dark and like in horror like i don't like comedic horror movies like that's mostly not my thing but like some horror movies have like this almost absurd humorous kind of approach and stuff like this happens and i kind of appreciate like a gravestone saying king size dick on a graveyard with a reaper and everything
0: yeah definitely man it's uh that was really funny and i kind of like
1: you know like walking around and
0: and Experience in that place. It it creates like this very heavy vibe, you know, and you and I had some actual Pretty heavy discussions while we were in there and then just to come across this Kind of lighten the mood a little bit, you know, I I, I like that actually
1: Yeah, but I mean that was the overall I I kind of expected it to be that way when you're here because I mean we spoke when we speak We have, like, a topic that we want to talk about on the podcast, so we usually talk, like, for, like, 20 minutes before that, and mostly we catch up on stuff that was, like, set in the episode after we finish, like, so a little bit of the the behind-the-scenes thing for recording podcasts, and I assume that's, like, with most of the guests that you talk to, that you have, like, a bit of, like, an intro and an outro, but, um, I mean, like, your year and my year, like, we can say it was terrible, pretty much, yeah, so a lot of, like, grief and a lot of shit that happened. So, I mean, as much as it was, like, a like a, a thing for you to, like, get out of the city and see something new. For me, it's, like, one of the highlights to finally hang out with you again and see you again in person. Oh, yeah, no
0: doubt, man. I, I was looking forward to this for months.
1: Yeah. And it's, like, I mean, we sat here on the couch for hours talking. And, like, on the cemetery. Like, when we... I mean, we had to drive around a lot in the car. We had to organize stuff for the festival. And... Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's why I feel that you're, like, one of my best friends because we, we talk about this stuff, honestly. We talked about so many topics, and there's not a lot of people that I, like, talk this stuff about. And, I mean, yeah, I always, like, said, I have, like, a friend who lives in Freiburg, and I only see him, like, once a year, maybe, and we speak on the phone sometimes. But there's no real connection anymore. It's just, like, a guy that is, like... I will always, like, be appreciative of him, but now with this, it's like, that's so awesome that we had, like, the time to actually interact and, like, kind of the way that we do, like, our first live podcast now here. Yeah, this yeah. is great, man, you know, and, uh, but yeah, it was, um, you know, i flying out in, a, you know, probably
0: actually a few hours, well, more than a few hours, but, Yeah, you know, we're gearing, gearing down and, uh, you know, going to spend the rest of the evening just kind of chilling out. have okay. got to get on a plane. Fly back to uh, New York City and then drive back out to Jersey. And uh, but yeah, I feel like pretty uh, pretty invigorated by this whole thing. And and um, you know, just after the whole pandemic experience, getting back over here, seeing friends and meeting some new people and all that stuff. And it just was a, it was a really therapeutic thing for me. Yeah. Um, and being able to hang out with you, Ralph. You know, it's like you're like you're likewise one of my best friends too. Yeah. And uh, it was a A much needed uh, respite from uh, just the grind of life, man.
1: Yeah. And it's the cool thing is, it actually reminds me a lot of the time when we got to meet each other. When we're sitting in the kitchen in Heidelberg. That's right. And talking through the night, where Josh and Joel were watching like death metal videos in my room and like in the apartment that I lived in with Daniel and the other guy whose name I completely forgot. I remember that. That's the, that's the point where we bonded because yeah. we're talking about movies and life questions and the struggles. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm 10 years, like 12 years younger than you are, but there's this connection that I had back then. And I mean, I was, a, I mean, I was, I don't know, no, no, twenty five or something, but it's a lot. It's been a yeah, long it's time. It's been a while. Yeah. We've been friends for yeah. over two decades. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, it's still like we still struggle with the same things but also enjoy the same things and you inviting me to be part of everything went black on occasion is amazing it's been a huge pleasure and i'm always down to do that and that's the thing like now next weekend there will be like two more ulfa shows and then that's that for Be i think before we go on tour in april i want to write a new ropes of night record i have a new band project that i want to approach and um it's time to, like, get into the grind again to do, like, regular podcast episodes. Work on our our big project that we want to have as a special... I don't... It's not going to be... want to do it on the Patreon, or is it, like... I feel like, um... I don't know. We should discuss that further. But, yeah, we've got, like, these big plans. If you're not, like... If you haven't joined Patreon and you just, like, find us now, or, like, find Mike now, because he's the man, and he's (laughs) been doing this for, like, so fucking long... Um, uh yeah, follow Patreon because it's it's not expensive and, and Mike put so much work into that. I mean he runs everything went black and Necromaniacs and is guest on other podcasts. And, like, the Patreon is his baby. As much as Tombs is his baby. As much as Unholy Passion is mine and Ulthar. And, uh, I mean, most of you are, like, already subscribed and supported us with one euro. And I will, like... I already mentioned it now that I have, like, we'll have more time. I will do some solo episodes for the Patreon as well. We already talked about plans. And there will be more crossovers with the other horsemen. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good times. And I think, like, this... You being here, we are hanging out, like we'll light the fire even more that we always had. But now it's like something positive for a change in this fucking shit year. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, it's, um, you know, it's been very uh, inspirational. Like I
0: said, just, you know, life gets to be very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, You know, heavy is that word. It's just oppressive. You know, things get very oppressive. And especially what everyone's going through right now. I mean, even, even though, you know, for the most part, we're fairly back to normal, but there is like the recovery from what everyone's gone through in the last few years. Yeah. And there's like the fallout and, uh, you know, the repercussions of that, the echoes of all the things that we've been through. And uh, it's been very difficult. You know, it's been hard. And uh, having a trip like this and hanging out with you. And just the whole experience is kind of made me think that the future actually might be a positive thing instead of, like, a a black hole
1: of, like, nothingness, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, like, there's, I mean, so many, I mean, it was, like, three, like, it will be three days in total that we got to hang out. And there's so much, so many more memories now that we have. Totally. And so much stuff that we both, like, and that's the cool thing. We always, like, post each other, like, listen to this, watch that. Oh, yeah and I mean now like uh, like as a conclusion to like our trip we can say don't watch the troll movie on Netflix <laughs> that's terrible yeah we can state that Gorefest like a Dutch death metal band is one of the best ever and hardly anyone knows them the band Revenant from the America is fucking is insane um what else you can put sauerkraut into a quiche and it works <laughs> yeah actually that, that that quiche was excellent by the yeah. way yeah yeah um yeah and uh and Dennis dog walks like a, like a harbor tramp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, um, I, I'm glad to see that drip coffee
1: yeah.
0: is making its way over here in Germany. Because, uh, you know, not like I have anything against espresso. Yeah. But I love espresso. But now you're starting to see more like American-style roasters yeah. in, in, uh, in Germany and I'm assuming other parts of Europe. I mean, I know Belgium has been ahead on that a little bit and you know scandinavia has their drip coffee too
1: yeah yeah so overall good experience very good mission accomplished (laughs) (laughs) now you just have to make your way safe back home tomorrow Hopefully as smooth sailing as the, as the journey here was. Yeah, maybe I'll just stay here. I don't know. Yeah, maybe move, move, move here. We'll make a lot of things easier. Yeah. And I mean, our country is fucked up, but like not, not, in, a, not in a soap opera kind of way as your country.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week. Take care now.